There are certain moments and words that shaped a new era in pro wrestling. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Brett screwed Brett. Die, Rocky, die. Suck it! Introducing the Book of Wrestling, 25 catchphrases that explain the Attitude Era. Tune in as we relive one of the most exciting, intense, and over-the-top times in WWE with new interviews with the voices that made the promos, calls, and catchphrases into history. Listen now. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors has everything you need to keep your ride or die alive. From supercharges, brakes, exhaust kits, and more, 122 million parts. eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance, and with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home the win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusion supply. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away? Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Draft Show. My name is Danny Heifetz. I am joined by Danny Kelly, Ben Solak, and Craig Horlbeck. And we are coming to you every Tuesday and Thursday to talk everything NFL Draft. You can check out all our content at nfldraft.theringer.com. Content. Love, love that it. content. Keep churning it out. <laughs> we love to content. We will have a whole updated big board mock draft for you. Keep checking out nfldraft.theringer.com. For all of DK stuff, I got my team needs there. We're gonna have special stuff from Ben Solak soon. Watch Woo. out for that. And speaking of watch out, I wanted to go through some prospects that I've been watching out for, and I kind of wanted to basically hijack this episode mm. to kind of ask DK and Solak some stuff because I just think there's some prospects in this draft that are very obviously like divisive guys, and really people that I personally, as I peruse all this, all the prospects, all the mock drafts, all the, everything that we digest throughout the last few months that I just still have deep questions on. And it seems like there's no consensus or not no consensus, but there's just more disagreement between how it's, uh, people view these prospects in particular than everyone else. And it's kind of like that story of, you know, the guy who gets, you know, lost in the wilderness and then gets found and, you know, I, I, you could look multiple people. That was a complete tangent. I'm going to just no, keep going Jesus? with that. Who, no, who, no, I'm not. Who got Jesus? lost and then he was found? I don't what? think Jesus was around woods. Amazing grace? What I was trying to say is two people, can, two people can... <laughs> God damn it. Two people can look at the same thing and have different reactions. That's yeah, all. You can okay. have different... That's all. I'm going to avoid the story. Anyway. Save that for your script. Yeah, well, save it for the pig script. Okay. Can I just get into the guys? Hyphens, just to back up what you're saying. I, told, I get what you're saying. Here's the, the draft and being a draft analyst and being a part of like the NFL draft Twitter industrial complex. Like if anything, it just makes me less confident in uh, first person or, or eyewitness testimony. Like it's draft takes. I'm like two people can look at the exact same fucking play and be like, this guy's amazing. Or yeah, he's not very good. He's not very fast, whatever. Like literally they can look at the same play and see to two totally different things. So um, I get what you're saying, like, but these players that we're going to bring up today in particular are, are like the most divisive and I guess like most confusing going into the draft. So I just kind of want to get into it. And I want to start with really just there's two in particular. There's a pass rusher who's rising and there's a pass rusher who's fallen. And I want to start with the pass rusher who's fallen, quote unquote. And it's Oregon defensive end Cave on Thibodeau. Mm. And I am so flummoxed by this. So Kayvon Thibodeau was the number one prospect in high school in 2019, like number one in America. He went to Oregon. He did great. And as of January of this year, he was the betting favorite to go number one in the draft. Our first episode of the Ringer NFL Draft Show, I believe, was who would be the first pick, Kayvon Thibodeau or Aiden Hutchinson? That was the discussion, and Thibodeau was favorite at the time. 
He's number one in DK's board. DK, you've comped Kayvon Thibodeau to Khalil Mack or a T-Rex and an F-14. <laughs> like, that's your comps for this guy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yet, despite that, Mel Kuyper has Kayvon Thibodeau sixth on his board. Todd McShay has Kayvon Thibodeau seventh on his board. Daniel Jeremiah at NFL Network, who's a very respected analyst, has Kayvon Thibodeau tenth. But not only that, Daniel Jeremiah has Kayvon Thibodeau as the fourth best defensive end in the draft. And it's funny because Thibodeau at his, his pro day at Oregon this week talked about this. And Kayvon Thibodeau was asked, what is the most ridiculous thing he's heard about him or you've heard about himself in the le- Sorry, I can't speak English. What's the most ridiculous thing you've heard about yourself in the last month or last few months? And he, he said his answer. This was his, I can't speak English. Oh my God. I'll play the clip. Play the clip, Greg. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. The most ridiculous thing I've heard is that I'm not the best player in, in this draft, honestly. And that's, other than that, I don't really listen to everything else. But that to me is, is outrageous just, you know, with the film with the numbers and, and what I can do as far as my ability, you know, I'm, I have confidence in, in what I can do. So what are you- This guy was number one on almost everybody's board three months ago. And now we're wondering if he'll even be in the top 10 is suddenly a question. Like what happened with Kayvon Thibodeau? Well, I think this is number one. This is a good microcosm or, or macrocosm or whatever of just the dra- draft process. It's one of those things where Sometimes you just get sick of talking about one guy because he's been sort of the presumed number one pick for so long. And another guy, it's like a, something shiny comes up. This is, you know, the Trayvon Walker, who we'll talk about later. Someone shiny, someone else shiny comes up and we start to think, oh, this guy's actually better. This guy has a higher upside, blah, blah, blah. I think at the end of the day with Thibodeau and, you know, specifically Thibodeau versus Hutchinson, which is going to come down for me, I think, to Thibodeau and Hutchinson. When I do formulate like my final top 100 before the draft, you know, who am I going to put at the very top of my order? I think it's going to, for me, it's going to come down to uh, Thibodeau or Hutchinson. And I think with them, the question is floor versus ceiling. Because I think Thibodeau has a higher ceiling than um, maybe any of the pass rushers in this group because of his natural talents, his, um, you know, physicality. He's three, like three down skill set. He, he can play the run. He can play the pass. He's all, he's, he's got pretty much everything you want. Um, but the consistency, I think, is not there, that, or at least where some teams may not want it. And he'll be viewed by some teams, and, and this is the whispers, and this is basically, it's becoming a chorus at this point, is, is some teams view him as a more risky pick because of his personality, his views, or, or his, his interests off the field. Um, people are wondering whether he loves ball. And so, like, I guess with everything else being relatively equal between, like, Hutchinson and Thibodeau, obviously they're different players and have different sort of styles, but... Hutchinson is is perceived to be like hardcore football head meat, you know, like meathead grind wants to just like rip your face off kind of deal versus Hutchinson or sorry versus Thibodeau who's like interested in crypto off the field. He has a deal with Nike. He's got you know he's got all this other stuff going on. He loves big chess. chess player. Won't yeah, big play chess me. player. Red flag. <laughs> Why won't you play me, coward? Um. So I think, you know, and then along the way, there's, of course, been the the ability to pick apart things and nitpick everything and, and, and holes in his game potentially. So um, I think this is overall just like, this is the draft process. This is what happens. Um, but also as we get closer to draft, I think some like coaches are going to weigh in and maybe some coaches don't like as, like him as much or didn't like the, the interviews or whatever. So um, I'm trying to like not pay attention to it too much and just pay attention to what I saw on tape. And and that was a good player. I think obviously there are some things you can nitpick, but I think he's going to be a really good player. And so I think, yeah, it, it's just it's a it's the nature of the beast, really. Is this just media attrition? Just over time, this is what happens. This is the life cycle of of the draft season, where we have too much time to analyze these people, and we end up nitpicking, and and we skew right. these players' values beyond what they actually are. I, I I don't think it's media attrition. I think it's league attrition, right? <laughs> yeah. I think Kayvon Thibodeau was the number one overall prospect in 2019 and coming out of high school. And every NFL guy knew this dude's name. And every NFL dude showed up at Oregon to scout Justin Herbert and scout Penny Sewell. And the coaching staff was like, yo, this kid's fucking nuts. This kid's incredible. This kid's so good. And then they know that he's been amazing for two years. And they've had two years to ask themselves, well, what's wrong with him? What's 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 the kicker, right? What what what, what what's the the thing that nobody's telling us? You ever see draft day, Kevin Costner? Freaking, you know, just just <laughs> titan of, of media industry. It's one of my favorite movies ever. Say it with like, me, you pancake-eating motherfucker. Hey, fucker. Yes, thank you. 
Kevin Costner just knows there's something wrong with Bo, whatever the fuck the, the quarterback quarterback's name yeah, is. Yeah, 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 that guy. Not Chadwick Boseman, the other dude. You know something's wrong with him, right? When you have <laughs> a guy who's so prominent and is so visible, they're like, all right, what's wrong with him? And then he does stuff. He, you know, he he doesn't have great effort in 2021, as Daniel Jeremiah and Todd McShay have reported. Um you know, there was a there was a, a a quote given from a coach. I can't remember to whom it might have been Bruce Feldman of the Athletic Mock, where it was like he was easy to game plan against. That doesn't even mean anything. Like, of course, right. he's easy to game plan against. He's the only good defender. It's him and Noah Sewell. It's the only two guys you're worried about. Like, yeah, that's how it works when he's a star and the other guys aren't. You know, but like you 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 end up creating problems a little bit. And this is a common problem that gets created, right? Somebody brought up Josh Rosen relative to Thibodeau. It's like, oh, he's like Rosen. Like he could be amazing if he just dedicated himself to football. No, he is amazing. He just isn't <laughs> gung-ho Rambo. I die for football guy. And that's okay. You know what this reminds me of in a weird way? It's not even Rosen. It reminds me of Justin Herbert. And I say that because Herbert kind of had everything you need in the player on the field, but not the personality you expect at the position. And so they started as Her Justin Herbert is kind of, we'll study for years how this guy fell to sixth in the draft. And it seems like a large part of it was, why is he so quiet? Why is he an introvert? And it's like, well, he j who cares? Like, he's really good at football. Yeah. And I think and I think that Thibodeau is like an even more extreme version of that because he's better. We craft a narrative of what we want these football players to be like, what we want their personalities to be like. And when they're not that way, we, we knock them for it, which is not right. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, the Thibodeau question is, it's not necessarily do these concerns exist because they do exist. Like, NFL teams have these concerns, like, flat out. But... I think the the thing that I think is interesting and just, you know, I don't have any power over this. I, I would say, like, if a team likes Thibodeau in the top 10, take him because he's a good player and he's got a really high upside. Um, but a lot of teams are risk averse that high because if you miss on a top 10 pick, you know, it can set your team back. It can make you lose your job if you're if you're a GM. You're, there's millions of dollars at stake for this person who's making this pick, right? So um, in those situations, with all the chips in, like they're going to pick a guy who they perceive is like lower risk, I think, in a lot of cases. And so um, I think that's kind of the thing with Thibodeau. It's not I'm not even trying to deny that like these issues exist for some teams because they flat out do like th we've heard too many reports now. There's too much smoke that some teams don't like his personality um, to even try and deny it anymore. The problem the question is, I guess, is like who's going to finally how far is he going to fall? Who's finally going to pull the trigger? Um, when they decide that the risk, like the risk is worth the reward, essentially. So, um, or sorry, the reward is worth the risk. So I, that's to me the question. I don't think he's getting outside the top 10, but he's probably going to fall a little bit further than I think anyone would have expected probably, you know, three or four months ago. So yeah. it's, it's fascinating. Might make it all the way to nine there, Danny. <laughs> I, you know what? I think he could. He could. The Seahawks right there. I've come all the way around in this. And I, the Giants going from the Giants have the fifth and the seventh pick. Mm-hmm. And it's this draft season started as, well, Kayvon Thibodeau will never get to the Giants at five. And now it's, hmm, will the Giants take a risk on Thibodeau at seven? You yeah. know what? Give me Kayvon Thibodeau at seven, please. <laughs> I would be incredible. And you know why that's possible? Because of another weird thing that's happening at Edge Rush during this draft. Thibodeau's falling. And there's another guy. Georgia defensive end Trayvon Walker is rising. And this one blows my mind. A month ago, one month ago, if you wanted to bet on who would be the number one pick in the draft at MGM. Trayvon Walker was not even listed. <laughs> the MGM had 25 players listed that you could bet on to go number one in the draft. Walker was not listed. Today, Trayvon Walker is the odds-on favorite to go number two. The only person that even has higher odds to be the first pick in the draft is Aiden Hutchinson, which blows my mind. Like, how is that even possible, DK? <laughs> it's a function of the draft class, first of all. There's just not, no, there are, there are no, like, clear number one or top three guys or whatever in this, in this class. Hutchinson is the guy, but even him, like, in, in previous years probably wouldn't be, like, a top ten pick. So, I think, number one, it's a function of the class. Number two, again, going back to the draft process here, like, Walker, production-wise, is not what you'd picture as a top ten pick. Um, he didn't ha he didn't put up big numbers at Georgia. The context is he was playing a lot of like heads up on the tackle or just shaded off the tackle. They were asking him to do things like open up um, rush lanes for the blitzers in their in their defense. Like they do a lot of that stuff, blitz their linebackers. Um, and so 
his production was not good, like it, relative to a lot of like top 10 pass rushers that you'd expect. However, and this is, you know, again, like, are we overrating this or is maybe this actually a good process in, in finding guys that could like way be way better pros than they are college players? He is a massive, massive outlier uh, freak athlete and he's really long. Um, six foot five, like 35 inch arms. Like he's like built like exactly like you'd want a pass rush to be. He's really twitchy in terms of his athleticism, the movement skills. And some team is going to be like, look, this guy, he has a 10 plus sacks in him. We just need to like coach him up, get him a few pass rush moves. And in year three, he's going to be double digit sack guy or whatever. Like he's Rashawn Gary. Like I, I comped him Rashawn Gary. Um, in fact, he might be more athletic than Gary. So um, to me, this is a, it's a huge risk taking him in the first in the first five picks first 10 picks because he could just not be a good pass rusher at the end of the day like he just may never get it um but teams are going to bet on the athletic upside and and his like persona and his his attitude and and you know all the things that they're hearing from georgia coaches and, and all that so i it is fascinating to to uh con, like compare and contrast it to uh thibodeau because you know i think thibodeau has similar tools um but walker is considered like this massive riser whereas thibodeau is falling it, it, i think it is fascinating so, like, you've bet on con- every conceivable person to go number one in the draft. Do you have any Trayvon Walker number one bets? No, because I have a lot of Trayvon Walker to go top five bets. And so eventually, <laughs> just, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, it started to become clear, I think, as we turned the corner of the combine, that the Thibodeau fall was going to be paired with a Walker rise. Uh What did what like, and some of that is the testing, right? Uh, to, to, to go through it and, and emphasize it. Walker has a uh, 84 and a quarter inch wingspan, which is 35 and a half inch arms. He's a 10 and three quarter inch hand. He ran a 451 uh, 40 yard dash. He jumped 36 in the vert, 123 in the broad, ran a 6893 cone. All of those measures were 80th percentile or better. Uh, all the measures save for the jumps are 90th percentile or better. So this is a one in every 10, but really like one in every 100 athlete. When you look at the degree, can I actually to take it. that even further? Yeah. So there's Kentley Plot on Twitter who. Uh, does a bunch of prospects, and he said that Trayvon Walker got a a nine point nine nine score out of ten, which out of more than fourteen hundred defensive ends over the last like thirty years is third. He's third <laughs> yeah. out of fourteen hundred. Yeah. That's the relative athletic so, score. Right? Yeah. So it's yeah. his measurables yeah. that has caused him to jump up the ranks. Why wasn't he in right. the top twenty five on the MGM's betting list? Production. Production number one. Number two. What what do we draft in the top ten when we draft edges? We draft sacks. DK said that maybe you can find a, a a ten a double digit sack guy in Trayvon Walker, and yeah, like maybe. But the reality is, when you watch his film, this is not a, he's not a very good pass rusher right now. He's very athletic, uh, <laughs> but he defend he, he's a wicked run defender, a sick run defender. He was put on the field for his run defending ability. That was his responsibility. It was what he was coached up on. Is what Georgia prioritized. You know, on 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 a snap to snap basis, we're going to put Jordan Davis and Trayvon Walker, Devontae White on the field, and we're going to stop the run. And then when it came time to rush the passer, it was blitz. It was pressure packages. It was sim pressures. They weren't asking their guys to win one-on-one. So you're going to draft Walker at two, draft Walker at three, draft Walker at one. Oh, buddy. Uh, he's going to have to learn a lot <laughs> different responsibilities and prioritizations, how to get up the ball. And he's going to play what more traditional, like, like seven tech, nine tech, like stuff he did not play. It is a long road for Trayvon Walker, which is why, like he, this is a good player. This is a good prospect, a guy you want on your team. It's a scary dude to be taking top five because you're expecting immediate, all Pro Bowl level production from an edge draft to top five. That's what we've seen over recent years with the Boses with Garrett. You are not getting that in terms of sack numbers. Year one out of Trayvon Walker. I'd eat my hat if he if he had more than <laughs> seven seven and a half sacks his first year. Save that clip. But that's a really good point because basically this sounds like Jadavion Clowney with with way worse branding. It's like he's like a he's a good run defender, and there's a risk that yeah he's yeah. just a good run defender that you drafted in the top five. And the thing is, Clowney's good run defending was his, his ability to create TFLs. Walker didn't even really create tackles at or near the line of scrimmage. Just kind of the terminology we use, as opposed to Clowney was a a stunt player, gap player, shoot player, and he go get TFLs for you. TFLs matter more than than you know one yard runs, zero tackle yard for runs. loss for the people who don't yeah. bet number one picks in October. It's funny you bring up Clowney because Clowney's actually a lot of pl- people are comparing uh, Thibodeau to Clowney because Thibodeau and Clowney both like former top 
high school recruits um, came into the NFL, you know, as like billed as the top overall pick. And then there's still some concerns about like the overall pass rush upside. I mean, like at the end of the day, look, um, Trevon Walker had six sacks in 2021. I believe Thibodeau had seven or seven and a half or something like that. So mm-hmm. it wasn't even that big of a difference. And this is why we're having the discussion because Thibodeau didn't. How many, also. how many fewer games did Thibodeau play though? Thibodeau and Thibodeau was hurt. Yeah. And Thibodeau yeah. was hurt for part of the for part of the season too. He had a foot injury. Did so Thibodeau th- these also are have all... like seven teammates who are going to go in the first two rounds. On Walker, defense. you mean? Yes, you know what I'm saying. But I'm, I was saying Thibodeau didn't have seven oh, okay, guys. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so these are all the con- this is all the context that goes into it. And look, there's been tons over the years, guys. There's been tons of. Uh, Top 10, top 15 pass rushers that just sucked in the NFL. Like teams chase guys with traits, and a lot of the times it doesn't work out. So, uh, you know, I, I personally believe both these guys are very good players. And I, you know, I would take Thibodeau over Walker right now if like everything else being equal. Um, but I do like Walker a lot. I think his his traits are really, really intriguing. Um, but like like Ben was saying, you know, you're you're betting on traits rather than like past performance kind yeah, of yeah this to me cuts to the heart of what happens in the draft because i i think it's not different than oscar season sometimes people get bored of a movie or you know like every whatever it is whoever's the front runner for a long time it's kind of like how lebron should probably have won the mvp everywhere for six years but people get bored the dodgers should be world series favorites and yet the blue jays are it's a <laughs> shout out to the ringer mlb team and it's like we kind of get bored with the people at the top but we don't think of it with the draft because that person's the same prospect. And the idea of Thibodeau going to, as someone who just said, as Ben Salk just said, Thibodeau going behind someone who is not actually a good pass rusher yet, I, I just think is the epitome of just overthinking something that's kind of like a tier decision. I, I, I really pray that Thibodeau get, goes to the Giants at seven. That would be fantastic. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusion supply. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes... You know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. I want to ask you guys about kind of like the opposite question there's a couple guys that kind of have the opposite thing going on and these to me are elite guys who are at low priority positions and i'm kind of just going to bucket them because i think it's similar conversation so there's notre dame safety kyle hamilton who i think is universally regarded as the best safety in this class some people have him as just one of the top two players in this class period i think so like you actually are one of those people good football player baby (laughs) football playing jesse (laughs) he's a football playing jesse and yet if you use betting odds, just because betting odds are kind of a good you gauge. Know, yeah, a good gauge of just wh- how things might happen. If you go with, with the implied betting odds, Kyle Hamilton's going to fall outside the top 10, even though maybe people think he's one of the best, if not the second best player in the draft. You've also got Tyler Linderbaum, who's the Iowa center. Linderbaum is obviously the best center in this class. Mel Kuyper said that Tyler Linderbaum is one of the best center prospects in recent memory. That's a quote. And yet he's 18th on Kuiper's board. DK, you've got him 17th. And then Daniel Jeremiah, who, again, very respected analyst at NFL Network, has Linderbaum 32nd on his board. And I know we've, so lucky you've explained this to me, and I, I, I still am confused. How is the best center prospect in recent memory not even slated to go in the first half of the first round? Scheme fit and cowardice. 
Linderbaum is Linderbaum is 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 two na- two ninety with rocks in his pockets. You know what I mean? Like it's it's it is. Well, what's not, the center it, supposed to be? Um, if, we're, if we're if we're running Each, wide zone, like if we're running wide zone, like two ninety five can work for you. That's like Garrett Bradbury, Jason Kelsey size, but that's the fringe, right? Other than that, like you want your center to be more like three hundred five, three ten, uh, and that's why. Like I was talking with somebody today who was like, you know, who would be perfect for the Titans is Tyler Linderbaum. Like they need that player, they need that role, and it's like, yeah, but they're never going to draft him because the Titans won't draft a small. The Mike Rabel and and and. John Robinson will not draft a small. They've never Did done. Did you call it. him a small? Like a, a small. They will never draft a small. They, 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 <laughs> they, they only draft small. Small big angries. Yes, little. They only draft big angries. And if that means Isaiah Wilson in the first round who never plays a meaningful snap for them, then it does. But Isaiah Wilson was enormous and angry. And like oh, that man, was I forgot about that. Yeah. That's that's that that's team philosophy. So the thing is that uh Linderbaum is limited in terms of the play, the the teams that would benefit from him because it has to be a team that would like run this wide zone look. Uh, and those teams have pretty much already invested in this position. That's why the Vikings took Garrett Bradbury when they did out of NC State, who's a really good comp for Tyler Linderbaum a couple years ago. Nobody else was going to take him, but the Vikings made sense for their system. Uh, so that makes that that fall happen. But I, I, I do believe that Linderbaum is just a flat-out good player. And Wait, I think to be the, clear, you're mm-hmm. saying that Linderbaum is a wide zone kind of center because the wide zone needs offensive linemen who are more athletic, who can move and be faster. But you're also saying that how many teams run a wide zone, outside zone system? Like nine? I would say, yeah, somewhere between like, I think it's like eight to 12. I would probably put it at like, the thing is you, 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 you start with your like pures, right? Like just like, all right, the Vikings, boom, they do it. And then you get to your like McVeigh's and your Shanahan's, which is like, all right, they built it. They know how to do it, but they've also been moving away from it. And then you get to your Zach Taylor's and your Matt LaFleur's and Green Bay and Cincinnati. And like, all right, they're off of that coaching tree, but they kind of change it. And so it's, do you want to be that team? Do, do, when you when you draft a player like Linderbaum, you're saying that when we run the football, we have to move this guy horizontally. Moving him vertically is just not going to be to his benefit or to our benefit. So take a team like the Bengals. The Bengals would love to draft Tyler Linderbaum at 31. He'd be one of the best players on the board at a position that they wish they could use a major improvement. You'd expect to plug and chug him in year one. You just have to understand that when you do that, you're writing yourself a destiny here where you're going to have to run more wide zone than you did last year and throw more play action off of wide zone accordingly. So you're a little bit shoehorning yourself into what you can do versus when Green Bay had Corey Lindsay or when the Niners had Alex Mack this year. And like those are still wide zone sized dudes but they were established in the league and have been in the league long enough that they could get away with running other stuff as well. Eagles with Jason Kelsey is a great example. Kelsey's one of the best pullers in the league because he's a fullback when he's on the run. <laughs> but you have to like get to, you have to be a veteran, like kind of get there. It's very hard to expect a rookie to do that in year one. So, and speak, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry to interrupt you there. But speaking of Kelsey, I think this makes a good segue. Kelsey, right now, according to Over the Cap, is the highest paid center according to average value per season, which is. Four, he's making fourteen million in twenty twenty two. He's thirty five years old. Of course, he's very established and and well respected. But fourteen million is the tops for uh, centers in the NFL, and it drops off precipitously. Like honestly, there's one, two, three. There's like eight, seven or eight centers total that make over ten million. And then if you go to tackle, the top paid uh, tackle Trent Williams right now is twenty three million. It's a massive, massive gulf between what the NFL view like pay number one what they pay offensive tackles and how they view offensive tackles in terms of how important they are to like centers. No offense to centers because I, I think you could make the argument. And I certainly, some people like, Hey, Robert Mays probably make this argument and I would believe him like centers are more important than the NFL thinks. But if you just look at the value of these players by what they're making, why, what NFL teams are paying them centers are not viewed nearly as highly as, as more as, as important. And so teams are just going to be like, Hey, look, this guy, Linderbaum, He's probably really good, but we're not making we're not. It's not a huge, huge value to get get a guy in the draft versus just sign a free agent. And num- number two, Linderbaum in particular probably can't play guard. He's a center only. There's not going to be any versatility to move him over to guard if you need that or whatever. Like you're lo- locking him into one position only. So those are some of the reasons he's going to fall. And I think honestly, it's like, yeah, he's a top half of the first 
quality player, but like there's a chance now. I've been having a hard time putting him in the in the first round in some mocks. This is days. this is so reminiscent to what we did with Creed Humphrey last year. He was a yeah. center out of Oklahoma. He was a good prospect. Not as good as Leonard Bomb, but was clearly a good center. Similar prospect. style prospect though. Yeah. Like yeah. couldn't play, couldn't play guard, right? He was a wrestler, so you could just like chuck people around, multiple year starter, dominant Strong. dude. Yeah. And then like we all year long we were like, yeah, first round, first round he's the man. And then we got to April and we were like, ah, maybe not. Because there's just nobody who's going to take him. Yeah, yeah. Nobody is tripping over themselves to get here, which is then what happens. Creed goes round two. He goes 53. He went after he, the Seahawks. I know that 50, much. 53 overall <laughs> to the, the Chiefs. Seahawks fans are freaking, just distraught about the fact that yeah. Humphrey is like on the Chiefs now. Or and honestly, if Shamar Chase didn't exist and there were stats for O-linemen, Creed Humphrey probably would have won. Exactly. Right. Like there was a offensive rookie of the year grassroots campaign for this second round center because he's just a doggone good player. And I think a similar thing is going to happen to Linderbaum, where wherever he falls, whether it's 31 to the Bengals or later, mm-hmm. we're going to go, hey, it's a really good draft pick. It's a, it's a sleeper pick, man. That's that's that, that's a win. Good value. And then in fast forward eight months, he's going to be starting. He's going to be great. Yeah. Uh, and so it's a little bit like I agree with Danny. Like Teams got to get the stick out of their butts a little bit and just be comfortable drafting a center. It's an important position. And it's essentially the same thing with Kyle Hamilton. It's a different degree, but it's the same overall thing of what, well, safeties aren't as valuable as like cornerbacks. So you know, we're not going to take him above, you know, Ahmad Gardner, Sauce Gardner or someone. Well, what if he's better than Sauce Gardner? Well, <laughs> so I guess here's my question. And this is just on the fly. But basically, I guess here's what we're saying. If you actually talk, we're talking about the highest paid positions and the relative value, blah, 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 what teams pay them. Let's take quarterback out of it for a second. But picture the actual positions on a football field. Forget quarterback. But if we actually looked at the number of how high the average salary is or the highest salaries of that position, the highest paid positions are left tackle. And right tackle, receiver, and cornerback, and defensive end. And the thing all those positions have in common is it's about succeeding in space. Left tackle, right tackle have to beat another athlete like one-on-one on an island. Receiver, co- receivers have to win an island. Cornerbacks have to defend on an island. And basically, the positions in the middle, guard, center, D-tackle, linebacker, safety, all the positions that have to win in the, f- the muck, the f- like the trenches, are the replaceable ones. And so I guess my question to you guys is the draft, the reason those are the highest paid positions and the reason those guys are high in the draft fundamentally is because the athleticism required to win one-on-one at left tackle or receiver and the edges of a football field are so rare that even someone like a Tyler Linderbaum, who's good at his job, it's just not important if you can get athleticism at those edge positions, either on the line or edge at receiver. Is that a fair reading of it? I think another way to put it, I I think that's fair. That's like an interesting way of looking at it, like philosophically or whatever. But I think at the end of the day, it's like those positions, not only are they operating in space, but like those are the positions that matter for passing. Left tackle, right tackle, receiver, corner. Those are the positions that are either integral in passing and integral in helping the quarterback do a better job or integral in protecting the quarter or in, in defending against the quarterback in edge rushers and corners. Like it's either passing or defending the pass. Like those are the most important. Those are the most valuable players in football. Um, off ball linebackers, middle linebackers, they're not as valuable because generally speaking, they're there for defending, you know, the run or at least like guys that were playing down in the box or whatever. If you get a guy who can defend against the pass, like he's worth a lot. Like that's actually one of the most valuable linebacker styles that you have out there. Um, so I think that's really, at the end of the day, it's like the pass. It's not just being in space and being an elite athlete, though. That does matter a lot. Um, it's, are you valuable in the passing game? That's where the NFL is going these days. That's why running backs are one of the least paid positions, like on the par with like punters and kickers these days in terms of how much they're getting paid. Um, so that to me is is the question with Hamilton really comes down to is like, how big of an impact is he going to make against the pass? Because box safeties are not, highly coveted in the NFL other than Are you saying Kyle Hamilton's a box safety? It depends on how the NFL views him. I think he's got the skill set to play against the pass too. Well, you compared him to Ken Griffey Jr. in the draft guide, so I kind of assumed he got was tons a center fielder. Can you describe what a box safety is? So a box safety, generally speaking, is a guy who's much more comfortable coming downhill, playing towards the line of scrimmage, uh, you know, defending the run, things of that nature versus like the opposite would be like an Earl Thomas type of guy who you can put him, you can camp him out out there in the middle of the field, center field, and trust him to cover 
elite range, stop the pass, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Hamilton, I think, is a tough one because, and, and here's why I think it's so. It, it, number one, the, the conversation has changed over the last few weeks because he ran really slow, apparently, at his pro day. He ran like a 4.7 something at his pro day, um, which is a huge red flag if you're going to be asking a guy to be defending the middle deep field. Um, I don't think that was ever really, to me, that was never really like going to be what they primarily use him for. Like His value is versatility, being able to line up everywhere on the defense, do different things, be like a joker piece. Um, he's good in coverage. He's instinctive in coverage. He has range in coverage, but I never really saw him, at least personally, as like, a prototype center fielder, single high safety. Um, so to me, his his value is less that that he can do that you know single high thing, and, and more just he's really instinctive playmaker. He's always around the ball. He's got you know good instincts. Those kind of things are what make him so valuable. Has the safety position changed? I remember you know growing up, there were a lot of famous safeties. There were Sean Taylor. Yeah. There was Ed Reed. There was Troy Polamalu. Doesn't seem like that's really the case anymore. They're not as commercialized. Why is that? Hitting is not as big a part of the game anymore, which is part of it. Yeah. Um, like, you know, you mentioned a couple of different guys, like uh, Cam Chancellor would be another one that recent, like it was like a big time safety and he was just like blowing guys up. But like the way the rules are changing now, like safeties just can't do that. Safeties are getting smaller. Um, teams are lately, at least over the last few years, running a lot more too high stuff. Um, the damn two, like cover two is just killing football. Um, Put Tyreek on the Dolphins. <laughs> yeah. Uh, traded Russell Wilson to the fucking Broncos because of two highs. Um, but yeah, no, I think, you know, that might be a big part of it. What were you going to say, Ben? I was going to say, right. I think that like, in terms of, of like big legendary names, maybe it's, it's down, but like paying for safeties is way up. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing that I wrote about when I was writing about Hamilton's uh, value, right? Uh, right now, safeties in the league, you know, highest paid positions, they're between linebacker and tight end. They're right above running back. They're below center. You know what I mean? It's not good. But when you look at salary growth from 2015 to 2020 of, of, of top paid guys, so how fast the top of the market is growing, safety is growing below quarterback, edge, and tackle. That's it. Those are the only three positions that are growing faster right now. Wow. So back in, in, in uh, 2015, excuse me, in 2016, Tyron Matthew reset the safety market with a $12.5 million deal. That was, that was six years ago. He was the top of the market at 12.5. Since then, that deal has been beaten by Eric Berry, Landon Collins, Earl Thomas, Eddie Jackson, Buda Baker, Kevin Byard. And then in the 2021 offseason, the market went nuts. Justin Simmons, Harrison Smith, and Jamal Adams all signed for over 15 million. Jamal Adams signed for 17.5 million. And then this, this, this past offseason, 2022, Marcus Williams, who's like, a good deep safety, like a top 10 safety signed for 17 million per year by the Baltimore Ravens. Safety is flying up right now. And so while the names may not be the same, teams are telling us with money that they care a lot about how top safeties play. And what it boils down to is DK called Hamilton a box safety and appropriately. So he's better coming downhill. Lance Erline comp Kyle Hamilton to Cam Chancellor is like the prototypical box safety. But in reality, it's not that Hamilton plays the box so well. It's that he plays the box so well while also being able to play over the slot because he's enormous. Mm-hmm. So he can gobble you up on your short routes. And then also being able to play deep middle because he's a great football player with excellent eyes, and excellent awareness, and good route recognition. So if you get a him and then you get another guy who can play deep but also can get down in the box and make a tackle and also get over the slot, you now have two interchangeable bodies. And you cannot play too high without two interchangeable bodies. Because the whole point of too high isn't to stay in too high. It's to show too high pre-snap and then rotate post-snap mm-hmm. to one high. And if I know who the guy you're rotating to is, it's not as much of a problem. If I don't, now we're read. cooking. Yeah. yeah. Now now I'm causing problems. So Hamilton will, will eight times out of 10, be the guy who rotates into the box. He's 6'4", 220. He's freaking enormous. He tackles like a linebacker. He can cover <laughs> tight ends. It's unbelievable. But on those two of 10 times where he rotates deep, the fact that he's not a liability and then the other guy he's paired with isn't a liability allows you to be multiple on defense. And PFF's done all these studies about safety showing that when you have good safeties, you have a high variety of defenses you run. And when you have a high variety of defenses you run, opposing offenses struggle. So safeties are force multipliers. They don't play in space like Heifetz was talking about, but they allow your defense to do a lot more structurally. They open the, the book for you. And when they open the book, they make jobs easier on corners, edges, defensive tackles, everybody. Safety is just a cool position. When I was growing up, I always wanted to be like a safety. 
You know, like they're kind of like prowling out there, like looking to blow people up, looking to jump into passing lanes. So it just seems like a as fun a, position. As an Eagles fan in the 2000s, I wanted to be Brian Dawkins. Yes, up. That exactly. was my whole plan. Same with me and Paul Mullo. Even when I would play Madden as a kid, like when you would do the yeah. draft your own team, you always wanted to get a, a cool safety. That was yeah. such a priority. Because yeah, then you could use their hand and blow some people up. Yeah. I I, uh, I very vividly remember this because I think it has been very interesting how over the years, and, and so like what you're saying about the safety position growing in value, I think that's super fascinating. That It tells you a lot about like where the NFL is going to, um, especially in, a, in an era where there's like multiple receiver sets, like three and four receiver sets. So like you're going to have to be super versatile if you're a safety because there's going to be times where you're lined up against a slot receiver or a big tight end or whatever. And I think that's so important. Um, but I go back to the, like, I remember this vividly. Daniel Jeremiah tweeted this out. I couldn't find it written anywhere online but he he talked about it on his pod um and it was like he wrote down he was like taking notes from bill belichick back in like the 90s about scouting and like scouting different players and he and he said this he said belichick told his scouts you can dominate the game from the safety position and i remember just thinking that like wow that's so crazy because like the things yeah. that you can do with the safety it was like a really good safety play and i watched it coming up with the seahawks and earl thomas and cam chancellor they dominated from the safety position, they they used to have just like a random cornerback too, you know. It was like Brandon Browner. It was uh, Byron Maxwell. Byron baby. Maxwell, who I love. Five year like, contract for the Philadelphia Eagles for dude, Byron Maxwell. And he like he was a huge beneficiary of that scheme, obviously. And um, but it was because they had such good safety play, and they took away literally they took away the middle of the field for opposing quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Like you couldn't attack yeah. the middle of the field. Did you see when Bill Belichick in was doing the top one hundred players, and they inducted Ed Reed, and he had the video of he was saying there they had video from 10 years ago of them watching film of what ed reed did to peyton manning and it was belichick yeah. and brady breaking side down like 2011 and bill belichick said that ed reed made this play and peyton manning said it was the best play i'd ever seen in like 50 years of being a coach <laughs> i love and that like, I, I, yeah. and just that my two personally like me if you take the giants mm-hmm. out of it my two favorite football plays probably ever are ed reed hitting the colts a uh, guy on a punt return, and then Sean Taylor hitting the punter in the Pro Bowl. Like safeties do cool stuff, man. <laughs> anyway, I love I love how we all reminisced about the great safeties of our youth, and then Heifetz was just also here on the podcast. <laughs> I forgot that was. No, you guys were talking, and I just was like watching it read plays in my head. That was just amazing. Okay, I want to just quickly hit. Speaking of like while well, they're in the safe safety secondary, whatever. There's another guy I want to hit, not a safety, but a cornerback that I just want to just very divisive. I just want to Derek Stingley, the cornerback out of LSU. Mm. I feel like he was pretty widely considered the best cornerback in this draft. Not so long ago. I mean, so don't you have a number one pick ticket? On I Derek do. Stingley? And that's not going to cash, but Derek <laughs> Stingley under 12.5. You can still find it, baby. Go and grab it. Number nine. So you're going to be essence, Thibodeau or Stingley for my Seahawks. The Seahawks are going to draft it. somehow like seven different guys at the ninth spot. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's weird that they get Malik Willis and Derek Stingley. With, <laughs> yeah. Like maybe they can take Tyler Linderbaum and someone trade back. Tyler Linderbaum's so back. little. There we they go. can just get like two players for the price of one. But I just was wondering about Stingley because I feel like he was the best cornerback. He's been surpassed by Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati, but it's not just that. It's about like a mix of his health, but he had his pro day today. Derek Stingley did fine. All the numbers he hit were the numbers he was supposed to hit. Is I guess I'm curious that cornerbacks like this don't usually fall. I know he's only played 10 games the last two seasons. Is it about the health or is the question really kind of like, what's he been up to the last two years? I feel like there's also just this question of like, it's been traveling. What is, who is this dude? Like, why? Like, I don't, I, I don't know. I, it's just weird that this guy has been mocked to a range that you just don't usually see for a cornerback. And I'm kind of curious why you think the variability because i feel like it's not as black and white as well he hurt his foot and that's why i feel like it's not even about his health i think it's partly about his health it's partly about why has he not why did he not progress in 2020 2021 because he was not not only maybe the best corner in football uh in 2019 but he's like maybe the best defender in college football that year like he was dominant never Um, forget to remember the sec freshman of the year that year was Bo Nix, baby. <laughs> love us to Bo Nix. Love, love that. Average uh, Tim Tebow cosplayer at Auburn <laughs> wanted over Derek Stingley. Just ridiculous. Classic. Um, so I think that he was he had injuries. Uh, they had a lot of upheaval in the LSU program in general. Um, I think there are similar, there's some similar question marks. Um, and you know, I don't have any like firsthand knowledge, but this is sort of just like what's out there is there are teams that have a similar like, is he 
does he love football? Is he hardcore football head kind of deal? S- similar to what like Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, because alternatively, Sauce Gardner, who is the other top corner in this class, is like all about ball. Like he is the pro, like he's a coach's dream. Doesn't smoke, doesn't drink, all about football. Like he sleeps, he, he he's like going practicing like after practice is over kind of guy. Um, and, you know, when you're compared to like if, if you have everything else more or less being equal, NFL teams are going to fucking gravitate to that guy. Not So Sauce you know, Gardner guy. to Cincinnati is the Aiden Hutchinson of the cornerbacks. And then he's <laughs> contracted yeah, better guy. Sauce yeah. is actually longer than Aiden Hutchinson right. playing at corner instead of edge. Different <laughs> right. conversation. Um, and I love Sauce. I love both these guys. But um, I think that could be part of it. And um yeah, I mean, it's just, Hyphus, like you said, it's like, what have you done lately? Like, it's been two years since we saw, like, elite, elite level play. Like, he was a freshman, a true freshman. He was, like, 18, 17, 18 years old, practicing against Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson every day, by the way, which is pretty goddamn good, like, way to sharpen your skills. Um, and so, I don't know. I'm still very high on him. It does feel like, based on everything I've been seeing and, like, the mock drafts and, like, you know, just the whispers, he's going to fall into the teens potentially, which is crazy to me. But um, that's the nature of the beast. Again, it's like risk management, risk mitigation early in the draft. And teams are going to gravitate to the guys who they feel are safe bets to be the type of people that are going to like continue to improve, you know, over the years. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. That's all of the divisive prospects I wanted to, to ask you guys about, but also... This is not a divisive prospect, but Traylon Burks, the Arkansas receiver, there was a fun story that ESPN had about him today. So, like, you you saw that, right? Like, Traylon Burks want to is a divisive that? player because yeah. he should be the number one overall pick and the number two overall <laughs> pick and the number three overall pick. Nobody's talking about this. The Seahawks can uh, take him at nine with the hell yeah. players they're going to yeah. get. Dude, I would be stoked. <laughs> From Alex Scarborough of ESPN, uh, Sam Pittman, head coach of Arkansas, struggled to come up with a proper way to describe Burks. Um, smart, articulate, someone who cares about his teammates, but the word he kept back, coming back to his country. Uh, he yep. hunts wild boars with his dogs, Pittman said. Uh, Scarborough goes on to say, Burks doesn't just fish. He doesn't just hunt deer with a crossbow. He goes out into the woods in search of wild boar with nothing but his dogs and a knife. <laughs> Essentially, what happens is this. Dogs find the hog and corner it. Then another dog is said to hold wild animal in place. Uh, it's too small, they turn it loose, but it's big enough to feed them and others time to go in. Emphatically, Burst explained, we do not use guns. Using a gun takes the fun out of it, he added. Having a knife, it's more <laughs> oh my God. Having a knife, it's more of a thrill that you're getting up on a wild boar that could kill you. Honestly, it's just a thrill being out there with your friends and family and having a good time. <laughs> I love the friends Burst, okay. and family. I, I, no, no. I, I have to say it's like <laughs> very important now. family. Time. Nothing this like is... being out there with your aunt. Stabbing a boar, cutting it. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. This I'm is. So- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wait, this is literally what. That's what the Joker said about killing people. The Harvey Dent in the hospital. He's like, do you know Gun? why I use a knife? Yeah, guns, guns make you take quick. all the fun out of it. <laughs> uh, draft uh, this guy first. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> he he goes on. He goes on to say. Um, uh, Burks knows how all this sounds. The average wild boar, by the way, is around 200 pounds. What? So, yeah, big two thirds of a Tyler Linder. Can he have a show on the yeah. Nature Network or wherever the hell that's yeah. called? Some people probably consider me crazy, but that's just how I am. Wow. Listen to me. Listen. Listen. That's who listen I want to be me. in the in the trenches with, right there, baby. Character is not hard to figure out. Everybody's been blowing smoke. <laughs> oh, we can't tell if a guy loves ball. Oh, what will he be? If there is a player who kills boars with knives. <laughs> he's a good football player adjust you know the combine they all the players only get 15 minutes with each team do you think that one the smart team the analytics team should just like have a, a giant board a room and they hand a guy it should be a new like, event at the a- combine you just get a guy yeah. a knife put a board board on the floor baby go after it <laughs> board on the floor, no you combine all the events you have to do all the events to chase the pig and then at the end you have to kill the pig and then we can like watch the tape and be like oh he hesitated there he doesn't have the killer instinct <laughs> Wow. Okay. Uh, I love it. I, yeah, I just recently watched uh, an interview with Pittman, his coach at Arkansas. And I just like, I already liked Traylon before that, 
But I was just like, man, I love this guy. Because this coach, who's like got a real heavy Southern accent, is like, yeah, he's just a country boy. Like, just country, country. You know, like, he's just yeah. so... I love the idea of just him growing up in this rural town, hunting feral hogs. Uh, you know, and so like... Learned, yeah, he all, he was a four-star recruit. He almost went... This is in the piece. He almost went to a D2 school because he just liked it. Didn't want to leave home. Yeah, he's like, it's, nice. it's, my, it's my area. Yeah, it's too cool. Well, what's the perfect team he could he could go to then? He, Not he shouldn't the Jets. Get yeah. <laughs> every, oh, every. The Cowboys. He shouldn't go to like the Niners. Every Green Bay fan of my mentions right now is like Green Bay. He's born for Green Bay. Sounds like Green Bay. Pretty sure they don't have hogs in Wisconsin there. Chief. You can find they something might, like I don't know. with a knife there. Well, probably. Yeah. They might. Yeah. <laughs> I also just wanted to read this. From, this is a great story. This is ESPN. This is from Alex Garber. It's really good. I also just wanted to read this a little bit, which I enjoyed. Uh, so I guess he played baseball and they basically were like, yeah, great center fielder could run, but you know, didn't know where the fences were. And then there was this time he, uh, he literally just sprinted so far. He like was playing left center, caught a ball all the way in right center and then looked up and didn't realize he was at the fence and then took the fence down with him. And then like he had braces in. So he came down, his mouth was bleeding oh, from the ow. fence and they are like, Oh, are you all right? And he's like, got the ball. <laughs> so I just looked up which states have the most the to uh, most hogs, and yeah. <laughs> Iowa leads the pack. Twenty two million hogs in oh, Iowa. Wow. Next up, North Carolina and Minnesota. So Vikings, Packers. You're Panthers. right, Ben. Wisconsin must have hogs. Did you look up wild hogs? Or Iowa has twenty two million wild hogs, or like like in the pork industry. I don't think Burks is interested in fighting domestic hogs. I don't think chasing down a giant fat thing. Okay, hold on, hold on. You're right. I just looked up hogs. Right, feral hogs. You just looked up hogs. I just okay, wild hogs. In the United States, there's strongholds in the South. About half of the nation's six million feral pigs live in Texas. I know they're they're all in Texas. That's that's where the feral hogs go. The Texans or the Cowboys. He's not getting past 24. Cowboys love him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's gonna hunt hogs at Jerry Jones. And okay, all right. I like this. I'm sorry. It's becoming right. succession. By the way, this this makes sense. He's country strong. Like it kind of makes sense that he didn't like blow up the combine. You know what I mean? Because he's just like he's just strong. He, That's he's, not he's, what he's, he's not, about. Yeah, he's not about lift. I'm not trying to get the best at working out. Like he's just good at sports. You know what I mean? He he bench presses 380. This is from Bruce Feldman's Freaks List column. Benches 380, squats 500, and power cleans 320. Damn, you know how hard it is man. to power clean three twenty, young man. <laughs> I love DK. I love you saying uh, he's not here to be the best at working out. Well, I used to have a friend in college who, whenever we would chat for too long at the gym, he'd say, "I'm not here to work out my jaw," and then he'd leave. <laughs> well, by the way, that's a Kenny Powers quote. He's he says it yeah. to. Uh, to his neighbor guy who's like running a marathon or something. It's like, or he'd say, uh, he, he didn't like running. He'd say he can't flex cardio. <laughs> the Cardell Jones. I'm not here to play school. Okay. All right. Let's get to two jargons that'll lie. America's yeah. favorite segment. Yeah. Every week we give Ben Saul gives us three pieces of jargon. Two of them are real. One is fake. If you have your own two jargons that'll lie, email us at ringerfantasyfootballgmail.com and I'm going to make a special request. Please. If you hunt wild boar, even if you're allowed to use guns, email us two jargons that lie about boar hunting. Or just hunting. Please. Hunting jargon. Hunting jargon. RingerFantasyFootball at gmail.com. It could be grouse. Whatever you want. Two uh, jargons that lie for hunting. And today I think DK is bringing the two jargons. Yeah. Oh, is DK, DK's got so it? Like All right, so in, like, yeah. All right. Here we go. the two jargons that lie, DK. Two jargons, aka idioms, terms, whatever. And a lie. All right. Number one. Looks for work. What? Number two. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wall dive. Number three, ankle biter. Ah. Looks for work, wall dive, ankle biter. Looks for work, self-explanatory. Wall oh, yeah. dive. Explain it to us, though. Uh, looks for work is just like, never gets complacent on the field. You know, he's like a busybody, always tries to find <laughs> like, you know, places to contribute. Um, wall dive. Heifetz, where are you at with wall dive? I don't know that one. <laughs> I know, I, I know, I know, know. I know one of the other ones is real, but I actually, I don't have any idea what wall dive means or could mean. What's the last one again, DK? Ankle biter. I'm going to say wall dive is fake because I, maybe I'm not very smart, but I, I can't immediately even come up with what that means. Wall dive. Wall dive. <laughs> I, I don't actually know what that means. Is, is or, That's not a term anywhere else, right? Oh, he just made a wall dive. What is that? I don't know. Maybe maybe wall dive means something, and I don't know what it means. But I've never heard wall dive, and I'm going to say it's fake. I'm going to say, no. Nah, these are, these are all really kind of like 
classically written term, like like phrases. I feel like, like ankle biter. That's used like I don't know. I just feel like people say stuff like that. Looks for work. This is a well, tough I think one. Ankle DK. biter is like when you're tackling people and then you're always around their ankles. It's because you're not making good tackles. I don't want to go with wall dive. I'm going to say wall dive is real because it seems too okay. easy. I'm going to go with uh, ankle biter is fake. Hi, Fitz. I'm going wall dive. I, I know for a fact looks for work is real. Yeah. So I'm going ankle. So I'm going, I'm going wall dive. I think I, I got, I got Craig on the like, psych, I psyched you out basically. Yeah. Reverse psychology. too far in his own head. Wall I dive am. is not real. I'm like, you know, like in the final st- move, the final 20 minutes of Inception where you're like a dream within a dream within a dream. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. where I am. Where yeah. I actually can't even see where I'm going. You're all the teams who are like, should we take Kayvon Thibodeau? I wanted it to, so like a wall, like I saw wall dive, which is by the way, a scuba diving term. Um, I wanted to like, cause like you can dive at someone's ankles. You can dive like the wall, like an offensive line is like a wall. I was thinking like maybe there could be like an offensive line thing there. Um, but at the end of the day, it didn't really mean anything. Looks for work. Craig is like similar to what you're saying. Basically, offensive linemen who are at the second level looking to block, like they're constantly looking to like knock someone's head off, basically. Yeah. Um, ankle biter is a corner typically who doesn't like to tackle and just dives for the ankles. Um, and it's a prerog- it's a, a pejorative typically. So got it. Yeah. I gotta go with my gut. I gotta just yeah. hear it, respond. <laughs> That's it. In scouting, typically, like your first impression is always the most correct one. Yeah. I really believe in that too. Just in general, I just think always go with your gut, and I've I mean, gotten away away from that. Yeah. Even when we were kids, and you take multiple choice, it's like once you have that thing and you're leaning it, you only change the answer if you know for a fact that you're wrong. Yeah. But if you th- if you're on the fence, you stick with that gut answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and speaking, let, let's take this. Let's put this in action. We have a tremendous two jargons and a lie from Griffin. 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 Griff. Griffin says, I have two football parentheses, soccer jargons, and a lie. All of these terms describe different types of shots on goal. (laughs) Oh, if Chris Ryan's listening right now, he's going to be yelling at his phone as we get to Yeah, Chris Ryan, again, yeah, when you're listening to a podcast and you know something the hosts don't know, you're basically a ghost. So, Chris Ryan, you're about to be a ghost. (laughs) All right. Different types of shots on goal, two jargons and a lie. Number one, thunder bastard. (laughs) Yes, that's I real. Like that Do not already. explain. <laughs> Number I need two Thunder is my gut, to be real. My gut wants that. To I think real. that's my new Twitter handle. <laughs> <laughs> Lawn mower. Okay, low driving yeah, shot. Low yeah, low to the top off the grass. Flipping yeah. the grass. Dink. A dink uh, is like a little bloop, but that I can might see be that fake. too. Yeah, these all sound real. Thunder bastard is what do we think that is? Just like an absolute, just like a missile of the corner, P-rod, a piss rod right at you. Yeah. Thunder bastards, yeah, gotta be like that. That that thing breaks the sound barrier. You hear a clap of thunder. Yeah, lawnmower is like a low yeah. line drive that skims yeah. the ground. And a was it a dink? A dink would be like a, a, a scoop. I will say, dink is fishing jargon. I know that like when you when you catch like a, a tiny fish, it's like not a keeper, not even like worth like noting. It's just a dink. Oh, but there are those so, there are those shots on goal where it like you kind of like fake the goalie out by seeming like you're gonna kick it really dink. hard and you and you just bloop it. You know when the I don't know much about soccer, but I know you know. Do you remember that old Italian, the goalkeeper who was there forever, um, Gianluigi uh, Buffon, Buffon? No. Who they actually he was a goalkeeper who they actually let him take penalty kicks because he was so good penalty. at it. Penalty. God damn! I can't <laughs> say that word. Penalty. Uh, pe- kicks. Penalty. You cannot be a soccer announcer. <laughs> penalty. Can you imagine? Uh. Anyway, they let the goalkeeper take penalty. Shit! I did it again. Penalty kicks. PKs. Say, why? Why are you saying penalty? You can't. Do I it. just say penalty. I don't. Know. <laughs> just like say it. Just say this. the letters in order. <laughs> you can't do it. So it's like me talking to Calvin. Penalty. <laughs> say penal. <laughs> penalty. Say the letters in order. That's wow. how speaking works, man. That's like in Big so Daddy. Hippopotamus. He's like hip. Hip hop. Hip hop anonymous. anonymous? <laughs> Damn it! You give him all the <laughs> easy ones. Teeth were made of wool. So they let the right. goalkeeper take PKs. And he PK goes up good one. and he good just save. lobs, you know, the goal, you have to guess lesser, right? He just kicks the ball. Like he throws like a 55 mile an hour fastball. Just like he just up. kicks it right to where the goalie was and the goalie dives out of the way. Anyway, that to me is like a dink. I think that's what a dink is. Like the little, like, like, you know, chip shot. I feel like thunder bastard is too obvious. And it, it, it is a thing. Like if it, it would be the obvious joke, not term or whatever. Right. My gut was dink. I'm going to go with dink. 
Yeah, I think too. lawnmower is fake because we all saw lawnmower and all of us just nodded like, oh, yeah, yeah, I People know People in Britain is. probably don't even call it a lawn. Oh, that's, maybe that's right. Also, oh, like a, a shit. Mower. <laughs> Do you think they call it lawnmowers in the UK? <laughs> Do they even have grass? What do they, they got over there? Stones and whatnot. Do people have lawns? I think sometimes we get mixed up where if we can explain the term very quickly, we assume that means it's real. I agree. Yeah. I think I 100% agree. And I think for that reason, I think lawnmower is fake. Change because my we answer. All were like, lawnmower. that's obvious. Yeah. No, I got to stick with my gut. Dink. You're going with Dink. I'm going with lawnmower. I'm saying Dink. All right. Let's see here. The answer is I have to open the link. Oh boy. And Prolonged it's taking drum roll. longer than I thought to open the link and I have it now. I'm googling if there are lawnmower if they're called lawnmowers in England. Lawnmower is the lie. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> well reasoned, DK. Woo! What are lawns called in Britain? Well, so I looked up what is a lawnmower called in England? It says the real or cylinder mower, as it is called in England, shears grass in the same <laughs> cylinder way. Cylinder mower. Come on. <laughs> the the what mower? Cylinder. Uh, you said it, but I still don't know what the letters are in order. Cylinder mower? Oh, cylinder about? motor. Okay. Mower, not motor. M mo <sighs> yeah, mower. <laughs> cylinder mower. Wait, what did you say they called the lawn, though? I, I didn't see that. Oh. Hold on. Does it, I feel like it's called lawns. I lawn watched enough Bridgerton season two to know they call it lawns still. Do you guys watch Bridgerton? Mayor it, does. It's the And mall. then I go downstairs, and then she goes to explain it to me. I'm like, this is a lot that's going on, man. We got problems on problems for people oh yeah oh my god i like the queen though she's my favorite character so far the queen's great i've seen 17 minutes um oh man dk it seems as though they're called lawns and it, i i didn't know this but uh lawns are a european invention oh well there we go we stole it <laughs> took credit for grass Americans. by their homes honestly stole it. lawns are one of the biggest wastes of space and water in the world and nobody should have lawns <laughs> I kind of hate. I kind of hate lawns. To they be they require so much water and maintenance, and they don't do anything. Nobody uses them. They sit in front of your house and do nothing. Just use rocks. Get turf, rocks, bark, yeah. whatever like you want. Breaking Bad. My father-in-law is a big lawn guy, so I'm going to preclude myself from this lawn conversation. <laughs> well, I got that. You're accusing yourself. Everyone's yeah. father-in-law is a big lawn guy, but hopefully yeah. in 30 years, we're all those father-in-laws. No one's going to have lawns anymore. Yeah, we're all going to be big podcast guys. It's like podcasts in no space. Ben, you should call him your father-in-law. Oh, hey, oh, because of jokes. Yeah, nailed it. Well, all right. That was definitely the end of the podcast right there. A lot of lawn talk. Who would have thought? I not <laughs> did me. not. not see who would have thought? Look at us. They take up space okay. in the world and they take up space at the end of this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Solak. Thank you, Craig. Thank you to Solak's father in law. Thank you to Alex Scarborough <laughs> for writing about Traylon Burke's murdering pigs with knives. Thank you to all the pigs who've given your lives. Thank you, Jason Siegel, for the sorry. I'm sorry. Thank you, Lauren. Lauren. Penalty. Thank you, Deer Tick. Who? Deer Tick. Deer, Deer Tick? tick? You, just, how, yeah. you know what we should play? A new game. Two bands, bands one lie. <laughs> Two bands and one lie. <laughs> you guys would get everyone wrong. That's that's true. Deer Tick yeah. sounds... I, there's, I, there, I do not think that's a real thing. Who named the band Deer Tick? Uh, Are Deer yeah, Ticks Deer real things? Yeah, deer ticks are nasty little critters. Are they? That's you're getting Lyme disease from a deer tick. It's just a, a tick type of is tick? a deer tick. I no, there's, the there's there's multiple types of ticks. Deer ticks are the most common. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Y'all got to spend more time in the backwoods of Central Pennsylvania. I'll tell you yeah. what. Yeah, I, I was yeah. gonna say that's a very, uh, Craig once again just living in you know just the luxurious California coast doesn't know what tick deer ticks are. Great place to live. <laughs> sunny it's 80 out right now i just picture you went to that what's that high school what's the um the young heath ledger movie 10 things uh, i hate about you i just picture you at that breakfast club do you high, have it, do you want to know the name of my high school oh no what california high school <laughs> are you no fucking way hyphens you just mentioned 10 things i hate about you that high school that they filmed that at, by the way it's in Tacoma, yeah. where I went to college. I went and practiced there when I was on the PLU football team. Very Wait, briefly. really? Yeah. You practiced at that stadium? This yeah, it's called on the ocean. Stadium, I think. Or it was called Stadium High School at the time. I don't know if it is anymore. Stadium? It's like this giant mansion. Sick. All right. If you've never seen, or if you have seen 10 things about, I hate about you, you know it. And if you haven't, you should probably see it. But, Shouts out California High School. Yeah, it's literally just on the water. California. You practiced at this field? This is beautiful. 
Yeah, wow, look at the pictures cool. of the high school. It's like this Good, crazy cool-looking thing. It looks like Who somewhere built with this and Bruce was like, Wayne I want to put a high school here. It, it is does. Bruce Wayne. It's like Bruce <laughs> Wayne sponsored high school. <laughs> Who built? I'm kind of just on this Wikipedia. I don't know if people are still listening. I'm just read. I'm just on this Wikipedia now. Why are designed by Hewitt and Hewitt in nineteen ten? What? It's a very cool building. All right, I'm going to learn more about this. That's how my, the rest of my day is going to go. There you go. Okay, anyway. All right, thank you to everyone for listening. Shout out to whoever built this. I don't know why you did that. Okay, goodbye. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.